how to pray. They actually said, teach us how to pray. Not teach us how to prophesy or teach us how to heal the sick or teach us how to preach. They said, teach us how to pray. And he said this. Say it this way. So join me. Our Father in heaven. every morning and the Lord's Prayer goes through my mind. But what something we started doing a couple of weeks ago, we heard a young African man preach here on the Gold Coast a couple of weeks back. And normally, you know, when Africans preach, they yell and scream and, you know, they're just annoying most of the time. But this young man, he preached the word and it was calm, it was peaceful and it had impact. And he said, you know, I wake up every day with my wife And the first thing we do is say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. How can you have a bad day when that's what you're saying when you first open your eyes? And I'm like, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Actually, Amanda said we're going to do that. And it's great. There's been a couple of mornings we've forgot. So we've rang each other and gone, hey, what did we forget this morning? And then we do it. So let me encourage you. Start thanking God. No matter what the night and the day has been like, start thanking him. Start giving him praise. Maybe some of the bad stuff you're going through that day is actually a lesson for you to learn, perhaps. So during February, we're going through the book of John, the gospel of John. And our theme is responding to the living word because we, you know what, we should actually start responding to it. We can know it backwards and forwards. But if we don't actually respond, it's worthless. So today we're going to talk about playing second fiddle. Let me pray for our offering before we go any further. There's no pressure to give here, but um, every week we <coughs> excuse me, give you the opportunity to sow a seed into this ministry. Let me pray for that offering. If you've got your seed there, hold it up. Grant unto us, Lord, a servant heart. The world honours powerful men and women, winners, achievers, those who make it to the top. But teach us, Father, that all your children are important to you. Lord, not have us be of the world. There is not one greater in the kingdom than those who would give their lives in service to you. It is not weakness we bring to you, Lord, but strength. Harness our obedience to do your will. Accept our offerings, Lord, as tokens of our love to be used for your work in this world. Through Jesus Christ, we seek to serve, Lord. And it's in his name, it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. So if you have your seed, you can pop it over in the box over there. You know what's really cool today? We got a message a couple of days ago from Pastor Francis over in Kenya. And where he's planting the new church, where he's planted the new church is under a tree at the moment in, in Siga, 
And Sega is one of those towns in Africa that's full of prostitutes and drug dealers. and it's, uh, Most of the village churches refuse to go there. Most of the village ministers refuse to go there. Pastor Francis said a few weeks back, I'm going to plant a church. It's like, come on, we're with you. We'll pray for you. And they planted the church, and then last week he says, we're having a crusade there this week. So they're starting today with church. I mean, some of us struggle with church if it goes over an hour and a half, right? They're starting church at 9.30 this morning, and they'll be finishing at 5.30 tonight. No breaks, straight through. And through that, they'll be doing baptisms to start with. As people give their life to Christ, they'll be baptizing them on the spot. Praise God. And at 5.30, once church is finished, they're going into Bible studies. They're going to do Bible studies in that village, in that town, all week at 5.30. There are going to be souls saved in that town. There will be people getting baptized today in that town. This is a town that's Muslim, drug addicts, prostitutes, everything that's bad in society. They're there baptizing these people. Praise God for that. I told another pastor through the week of another church what was happening. We're having a coffee and I went and ordered the coffee. I come back and he says, here's $500. Give it to Pastor Francis because he's having a crusade. We want to be part of that. So we can get excited, church. We can get excited about this. Pastor Francis needed three things. He needed a tent. He needed a PA system. And he needed food to feed all the people that are going, including the 180 orphans that he looked after. And guess what? That $500 from another church covered all those costs. Praise God. I didn't ask for it. He just said, here it is. Praise God. That's how the kingdom of God works. There is no lack. There is no lack. The text we're working through today is John 1, 26 and 27. And when we talk about John... It's in the book of John, but we're talking about a different John that he's, he's writing about. He's talking about John the Baptist. John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there, stand ones, there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He's talking about Jesus coming. And we're going to work through a couple of different scriptures today. So let's read them first. If you've got your Bible, open it up. Okay, John 1, 6 and 8. talks about John's witness to the true light. Now remember, John the Baptist was this guy living out in the desert, eating locusts, stealing the honey from the bees, wearing rough goat skins. Now if he walked in the church, we probably wouldn't want him in here because he'd be pretty smelly and, you know, he'd be welcome. You'd certainly be welcome in this church. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. And if we flick across to John 1, 19 through to 28, he is the voice in the wilderness. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Let me tell you, some people in this room today will get asked that question 
from the priests and Levites at some stage. Who are you? Get ready for it. All of you have been overlooked, pushed down, pushed to the side. When the Holy Spirit moves, they'll be, these people will be saying, who are you? Where did you come from? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah has said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, the really religious people. And they asked him saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. You know, I just had the revelation yesterday. I said to, to Amanda, you know, a lot of our messages are like the Old Testament prophets and like John the Baptist. We're pointing you towards the, what's coming. We're giving you the warnings for what's coming. But it's up to you to listen. It's up to you to listen to it. Most people don't like playing second fiddle, do they? They don't like being second to anyone. But John the Baptist was okay with that. Most vice presidents, most deputy prime ministers dream of being in the number one seat. I'm thinking Scott Morrison should be pretty nervous at the moment because there's probably some people in his cabinet who are ready to knife him in the back and overthrow him because they all want to be in the number one seat. Most football players wait for their chance eagerly to be in the starting lineup. The term second fiddle comes from the practice of having the best player of each instrument in the orchestra sit in the first chair position while the second best player plays the second part. Some people delight in being the backup person, the substitute, the, the aide who makes the leader look good and do their work. But most people have a hard time playing second fiddle to someone else, don't they? Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have trouble with it. We want to be in front, not behind. If you're a second or third child, you'll probably know what that means. You'll know what it's like. Even more difficult is it being second after being first. Imagine being a rugby league player or a rugby player and playing first grade for 10 years and then all of a sudden you're in reserves or you're playing club rugby instead. That would be hard. That's a good time to retire for most people. John the Baptist knew about this. He had been the ones the crowd had come to hear. He was the best preacher for God in the whole country. And then came Jesus. Everyone flocked to see John the Baptist. And then came Jesus. 
I wonder how John felt about stepping aside and pointing his disciples to Jesus. How would you feel if you had a massive big following and all of a sudden Jesus come and you said, well, you know, don't really listen to me anymore. Here's the man himself. It's no wonder Jesus could say in Luke 7:28, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is at least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. He who is least is greater. What do you think John's secret was? To play second well, you must know yourself. You must know who you are. John's question has asked him if he was the Christ, whether he was Elijah or he was a prophet. And he replied, no. He knew who he was. Then who are you, they said. We want an answer. They demanded an answer. Is it ever easy to know the answer to that question, who are you? Do you know who you are? Socrates suggested that the key to wisdom is to know thyself. John's reply is our first clue as to how it was able to play well from the second position. John 1.23 says, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He knew his, his place. Pastor Amanda has a great message that she's preached a couple of years ago about stay in your lane. Know who you are. Do what you're called to do. Don't worry about the person in the next lane. They might be on a whole different mission. Stay in your lane. Make straight the way of the Lord. Does that, does that answer intrigue you? He just sort of said, don't look at me. I'm here speaking for Jesus and here he is. John, with all his skills as a communicator, he had a large following. And this would be a successful church in Western terms, wouldn't it? Great communicator, large following, amazing sense of the righteous call of God on his life, simply said, I am the voice. I'm not a man. I'm not a preacher. I'm just a voice. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. Don't look at me, he's saying. I'm just the voice crying out in the wilderness. John lived a strong and independent life. I mean, this dude lived out in the middle of nowhere by himself. He lived in the wilderness. He robbed the bees of their honey. You think about that. We'd be out there like, oh, we've got to have this suit on. We better get some smoke in there for the bees to put him asleep. John's just like, no, I'll have that. The bees would not have been happy. And he ate locusts. It sounds delicious, doesn't it? If you go to Africa, if you've been to Africa, you will see it's the weirdest thing. There's these massive big plastic bags. You see them on the roofs of cars. Huge, like they're bigger than the car. And we remember asking our driver when we were there, what, what are these things? He goes, oh, they're full of locusts and crickets and stuff. They're still, John would be very happy living in most of Africa now. They're still eating crickets and locusts. He preached in a fury, calling Israel to repentance. Have you noticed the theme for this church for the last two and a half years? We're calling the city to repentance. We want to see the blessings, but we need to be on our face repenting to get them. Even a powerful government official like Philip, Herod's brother, couldn't frighten him into silence. 
Matthew 14, 3-5 says, For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. Stand up as a prophet on the Gold Coast and you'll get stoned. I can assure you. You start calling people out on the Gold Coast, you will get stoned. In John's days, he was counted as a prophet and they feared him. Great crowds gathered to hear John preach. And he baptised so many people, thousands. But when Jesus came into his life, he knew that he had found his purpose for his life. He knew that he had found his purpose for living. He was a voice preparing the way for the Lamb of God. Let me tell you, when Jesus found me in that gutter, he told me I had a purpose. It took me a little while to find out what it was. But once you find you have that purpose for living, when God shows you what it is, I'm not going to say life gets better, but it gets easier. It gets easier. For John, there was no greater truth for his life. He knew why he was alive, and he knew who he was. It's been said the two greatest days of your life is the day you were born and the day that you realize why you were born. John knew he was alive and he knew who he was. To play second well, you must be willing to lose yourself. John could say he was unworthy to untie Jesus' sandal strap. He would say later about Jesus in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. If preaching the word ever becomes about me in this church, I have a problem. It's always about Christ. He must increase and we must decrease. We must be willing to serve him. You don't serve the church. You don't serve me. You don't serve Amanda. You serve him. That's what we're called to be doing. John was willing to lose himself in Jesus Christ. Jesus would say that this is the only way to greatness in John 12, 24. John understood that serving Jesus was the way to receive honour from the Father. If you want to receive honour from the Father, start serving the Son. Therefore he was willing to lose himself that he might find himself. He was willing to give himself away in order for Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to be boldly lifted up. In losing his life, John found it. In surrendering your life to Christ, you will find your life. Every Christian knows about John the Baptist, but they only know about him because he gave up his place that Jesus might be known. Think about that. If he wasn't in the wilderness, baptising people, and Jesus come along to be baptised, we would not know anything about John the Baptist. He probably wouldn't even be mentioned in the Bible. If Jesus had not been the Christ, then who would know about John? Because he was willing to play second to Jesus, John's name is known and honoured because he was willing to let Jesus take his place. Consider what Jesus our Lord had to say about John's life. Let's look at Luke 27, 
24 to 28. It says, When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? This is Jesus. A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled live in the luxury and are in the king's courts. But what did you go out to see? So I'm thinking because there's no response here, people are probably giving Jesus a lot of excuses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. We have to stoop to conquer. We have to get down to lift him up. Would it be worth everything, including the loss of your life, for Jesus to commend your life in this way? When you stand at the final day before God himself, do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or do you want to hear, I did not know you? But Lord, you know, I cast out demons and I, I, hear, I did this, and, but I did not know you. Which one would you prefer to hear? For me, well done, good and faithful servant. Sounds a lot better. Before you despair of ever being worthy of such a word, look at the closing of Luke 7.28. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. If you are the least in the kingdom, you are greater than John the Baptist. Jesus' ministry revolved around this theme of servanthood. He is the ultimate servant. You know, he came to earth to live in our filth and still remain sinless. We're lucky to get through the day. Nothing goes more against the grain of our society than this call to be a servant. Everyone wants to be the boss out there, don't they? But we're called to be servants. People struggle with each other to find the key to the next position, the invitation to the next honour. Too many people, too many of us are willing to actually put our foot on someone else's neck if it gets us ahead. We've got to stop that. We're called to be servants. But Jesus said that his people must not engage in that type of behaviour. Could you imagine? Think of some of our mega churches around the world. This might be a little bit offensive to some people, but that's okay. Think of some of the mega churches around the world. These celebrity pastors, if Jesus walked in, would they actually hand the pulpit over to him? Or would they say, no, you're not dressed the right way, you haven't done this, you didn't go to Bible college, clearly. Would they actually hand the pulpit over to the Lord? You don't need to answer that, because I don't know the answer. Sure, I think I do. You will find your joy in service or you will miss the joy completely. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what your day is like, find the joy in it. Life's much better that way.
much better. You may be admitting to yourself, you know, I find myself resisting the idea of, of losing myself and, and being second. You, know, you might be saying to yourself, I don't know if I can do this or not. Sometimes it's hard to do God's will. Yeah, I hear you. But you're also suggesting that there'll be times I have to play second to another person who is just like me, you know, they're, they're human and they're frail. You might be saying to yourself, I could play second to Jesus, but I don't want to be second to a person. Is that what you're thinking? If it is, start looking to him. Many of us don't want to play second to man. Many of us want the boss's job. You can find the grace to play second if you're willing to look for God's plan in it. It's our third point today. You must be willing to see God at work in your life. Thank you, Lord. Peter, because you are willing to see God at work in your life, he is going to bless that new business that you've got. He is going to... He is going to... You're like John the Baptist. You're pointing the way to him, everyone you speak to. You're willing to see God work in your life and it will be a success. Praise God for that. You know, there's evangelists that have been trying to be pastors of churches and have struggled. But when God moves in their lives and they start doing what they are called to do, they're launched into the fullness that God has for them. If you're an evangelist, don't try and be a pastor. Don't try and be a prophet. Don't try and be an apostle. Certainly don't try and be an apostle. Be an evangelist if that's what you're called to do. If you're called to bake cakes for the church, bake cakes. Don't try and make lasagna. Stick to the lane that God's got you in. Follow the call. Patricia is called to bake cakes for the church, let me tell you. <laughs> and many other things, but that's just a gift that, that God's given her. We've got to stay in our own lanes. Life's much better. We are not pastors. We're self remain around pastors. We have a different calling, but this is the office we're operating in at the moment because that's what God said to do. Let me tell you, don't worry about the next bright and shiny thing that comes along. Do the last thing God told you to do until he tells you something different. If John the Baptist was told to baptize people and point them to Jesus, that's all he did. That's all he was called to do. But when God moves in people's lives and they start doing what they're called to do, they get launched into the fullness of God. We as a church have not even scraped the surface of what God has for us. I'm talking about each and every one of us here. We haven't even scraped the surface. Let me tell you, I don't know any other churches, especially here on the Gold Coast, that have planted four churches in other countries in the last 18 months. And we haven't even scraped the surface. God's got so much more for each and every person here. Even if you don't know him yet, even if you don't have a relationship with him yet, let me tell you, he's got something for you. He's not going to let me leave Peter alone today. Peter, you're going to be looking for a bigger building this time next year. 
Don't let that be a worry because God's just going to say, this one here, this one here. And you know his word. You've heard him speak before. You will recognize his voice when he speaks to you. And it's because you're humble. It's because you're willing to say, Lord, help me. I thank you, Lord, for Peter. I thank you, Lord, for the journey you've got him on. I thank you, Lord, for the restoration that you're bringing for him right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that he has such a soft heart and a willingness just to say, Lord, it's yours. Do it. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I get sidetracked sometimes when the Holy Spirit's talking to me. And we, we spoke about it this morning or last night. I'm just going to let it out now. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to sit on it. I'm just going to let him speak. What's remarkable is that I hear from Christians again and again that they look back on a difficult period in their lives and they find that they who trust him wholly find him wholly to be true. If you trust the Lord with everything, you will find that everything he gives you is true. Everything he tells you is true. Just got to make sure it's the Lord you're listening to. When you understand God's plan and can accept the role that you have, whether it's first violin, second, third, or even last in line, you find that you're able to be responsible to God in the place that he has for you and that you can be effective in doing the task that, that is appropriate to that opportunity. It doesn't matter. If God is calling you to scrub the toilets in the church, if that's what your call is, do it with joy. And watch what he does. None. I'm going to finish up here because I'm keen to get some people baptised or at least one. It's exciting. None is great or small in the service of our Lord. The smallest thing, main dirt going out today and closing the gate, the smallest thing, which most people who are here wouldn't even know that that's what's going on behind the scenes, is just as important to God as Daniel or Amanda leading worship or whatever it might be. The smallest thing. Nothing is great or small in the service to the Lord. For he is concerned only about the faithfulness to work, or to the work, sorry, that he gives us. He's worried about if he gives us a job to do, are we going to do it? Are we going to be faithful in that? Or are we going to want to go and do something else? Are we, want to get, are we going to have to go and go to a, a church that serves Merlot coffee? Or are we happy with what's here? Are we faithful in what he's given us? Are we faithful in what he's given us? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you must be a servant. I'm going to say that again because some people miss it completely. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to be a servant. By God's grace and power of the Holy Spirit, we can play second. And we can harmonize with the whole orchestra if we're in Christ. If you've heard me sing or you heard me try and play guitar, 
I can't play that well and I certainly can't harmonize. There's a reason I'm not allowed up here until after communion, isn't there? <laughs> the best response I've got all day, Daniel. It's awesome. But we're called to harmonize. When we're doing what we're supposed to do, everything just works. If you see the setup of a morning when we first come in here, it's normally myself and Pastor Amanda, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Nadine. Zane's been coming along. There's cables going everywhere. There's boxes of stuff getting moved around. There's chairs. But it's almost like a dance. We, we sort of harmonize together. Everyone does their bit, and it just happens. It just happens. I mean, there's some, there's some bits of this gear that I just won't touch because I know I'm going to mess it up. And if I do, I normally see Zane or Daniel walk over and sort of nudge me out of the way. We're called to do our own little bit and stick with it. Have you ever, well, I'm sure most of us have, you ever been to a, a school recital where you know, you've got kids all playing different instruments or the most horrible instrument ever created, the recorder? <laughs> One sounds bad. Two or three sound pretty bad. But when you've got like 40 of them, it doesn't sound too bad sometimes. They start to all come together. I'm sure most of us here have had a recorder at some stage in our lives. You notice you never see them in a band anywhere? They're just at school? Maybe we should bring back the recorder, Daniel. <laughs> if, oh no. If we're all working together, then the world can know that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who takes away the sin of the world. I thank you, Lord, that we get to serve you on a daily basis. Thank you, Lord. For those that are joining us online, we, we're going to leave you go there. We're going to have uh, some baptisms now and, um, and then some morning tea afterwards. Have a little bit of a celebration because it is a celebration when someone gets baptized. So for those of you that are joining us online, be blessed. We'll see you again on Tuesday night. Pastor Francis, I know you're probably watching, so... As a church, we're praying for you today. We're praying that that crusade is a success and many, many people come to Christ. In Jesus' name.